Hello and welcome to The Relevance of Now. This podcast is an opportunity for you to welcome in what William is sharing and explore it for yourself. Today, William is going to share clarity on the topic of attachments. William, how would you define attachments for us in our day-to-day world? Attachments are pretty simple. It's something you do that you're invested in that has the ability to to reflect upon you an idea of a self. So if I have a kitty cat, I love my kitty cat. We have fun together. And then later on, the kitty cat may ignore me. Now, how do I feel in that moment, if the kitty cat ignores me. Well, there's this thud that comes into your consciousness, into your body that says, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Did I not give the kitty cat enough food? Did I give him too much food? Whatever it may be, it's something outside of you that has the ability and the power to affect how you feel. That's pretty simple definition. So there uh, in that one situation, it's how did your kitty cat um, ignoring you impact you? And I was thinking about this topic of attachments because my dogs are getting older and blind, one of them. And, uh, and when I was looking at them, I noticed that I was uh, kind of, I had a, that thought, a, a feeling of a little bit of sadness. And then that's when I noticed that, I just went over to them and just started petting them, just connecting with them, and it shifted everything. Exactly, because you became present with them. And it's interesting because we look at especially with the animal kingdoms or children or partners or family monads. And it's really interesting. It's, it's kind of a real, it's an interesting one. Cause on one hand, the ideal would be to be selfless, but unfortunately how the ego works is to become selfish. And I watched this time and time again, whether it be the animal kingdom, brother, humanity, a job, uh, finances. And it's an interesting question I would encourage everyone to ask themselves. Whom or what would I be without them? Hmm. If I lost a job, well, who am I now? And I watched everyone go into deep depressions because they're so attached to the job and the identity to the job that is at that point The job and the title owns them. If I look at our kitty cats and I ask myself, whom or what would I be if they left the planet right now? And then, of course, there's the magnetic part of a magnetic disconnect down in the solar plexus. Like when loved ones leave the planet, it's like that unplugging. And many, they call it grief, but it's an actual magnetic um, unplugging when a dear one drops their physical magnetic form. 
you feel a certain state of emptiness. Now, the ideal here would be to fill up that emptiness with you. So if an animal, a home, a job, a relationship, friendships, camaraderies, or it could be abundance, it could be car vehicles, it could be anything and everything outside of you, that if it was all dissolved right this minute, being very high integrous with ourselves and honest with ourselves, how would you feel? Would that have the ability to have you doubt yourself, question yourself, find fault with yourself? Or maybe it's just a thing. You're saying, all right, hey, must be something better coming along where we can just take a breath without hypothetically missing a beat. It doesn't mean we don't care. Caring is a whole different thing like passion, compassion, clarity, understanding. But coming back to the relevance of now, isn't it more about the love that we all share, we express, we receive, we emanate with the animals, with homes, with plants, with whatever, whatever, to where we're flowing through it, but where it does not define you to be a certain way, a certain person, uh, certain characteristics. No, it's outside of you. It's around you. But in reality, how does it have the ability to define you? Or how you feel? Yes. And for, for myself and others that are looking to move towards feeling more free, feeling more, uh, not less attached to objects or things or people and more vibrant uh, throughout the day. This, this is a really powerful distinction and the question you gave us of who would I be without them just assists us in the moment to address it before and gives us the opportunity, if we choose to, to be more of our presence with them and, and anything else. Well, yeah, and it, it reminds me of like a tree. It's a beautiful spring day, maybe fall. All the new blossomings are out. But let's just put ourselves in the position, connecting with the tree for a moment. It's constantly losing its leaves. It goes through a beautiful blossoming of emanating such brilliant beauty to express itself through its foliage. Now, same with the rose that loses its petals. Well, how does it respond? Is it becoming sad that it lost all of its leaves or is it celebrating its next blossom? Because this is where we get into all these reminders all around us 24 seven nature is one of the biggest reminders of it loses its leaves. It goes through winter, spring, summer, and fall, but it's constantly in that beautiful iridescent okay i'm letting go of the old now and i'm celebrating the new that's coming forth 
which then were different than, I mean, trees, it's interesting, right? The same with rose bushes, roses. They don't sit there and cry, whine about losing the leaves or the petals. They're in that constant fruitionary state of unfolding and blossoming and blossoming and unfolding, shedding the old, stepping into the new. Now, if we could bring that example into the physical perception, that is kind of like animals that lose their partners. Animals are funny because they know and they are who they are, what they are. But then their partner may leave. And I've watched this time after time. Their partner may leave, but oddly enough, they spring into a whole new life. Um, new enjoyments, more articulation of how much more beauty is around them now that they don't have their partner as a focal point. The part that makes it issue, though, is when through human conditioning, where I watch humans project their consciousness onto the animal, assuming they feel a certain way because the human would feel that way in that situation, which is really not very honorable to the kingdom and to our little ones because, you know, they bounce back. They, before you know it, it's not so much out of sight, out of mind. They connect with the dear ones and more often than not, the dear ones are presenting all around them, just not so much with the physical form. So, yeah, it's a little bit different, but do they still celebrate and enjoy one another? Absolutely. If we can take the human conditioning model of emotions away from the kingdoms, animal, plant, mineral, oceanic, and stop projecting your consciousness upon them, you'll start really taking, being able to take a breath and enjoying the beautiful love, the beautiful light beingness that is constantly unfolding and available to you all around you to allow just that much more of the whole purpose of the kingdoms, the trees, the flowers, the purpose of it, which is wanting to emanate beauty upon you as well as being acknowledged for their presences. And this is where we step into a whole new silhouette of a divine romance with the whole universe, brother humanity, all kingdoms as a whole. And then we go back to the me, me, me part. And you could, and I look at that and I say, okay, let's go back to the trees. The trees are not self-conscious. Trees, they don't have bad leaf days or good leaf days. It's a constant unfoldment of a constant reminder of how fluidity, beauty, and consciousness, and radiance, and light is constantly unfolding, coming in, metamorphosizing, and unfolding further. And these are all great reminders for the human, creator incarnate, you being the ancient sound of creator, uh, within the mammalian species. And now, some places, I'll call it God-man, creator in the mammalian species. The words aren't that important. It's more about that blossoming evolution that you're constantly in that stream of unfoldment, evolvement, e expansiveness, radiance, and amplifiedness. And it's weird. It's kind of interesting, right? From the human ego, uh, collective consciousness, you're so taught to hold on to 
whether it be your bride, whether it be your husband, whether it be your kids, whether it be your job, whether it be finances, whether it be belongings, as if it has the ability to to define you to be something different than yourself because you may have the belongings, which belongings are wonderful. You know, it's a lot funner to live in an air-conditioned home than in the middle of the Serengeti in the summertime. Now, I don't know if I'd call that an attachment. It's more an experience of unfoldment and enjoying what you enjoy. But does the house, does that represent who you are? Does the car, does the driveway, does the financial portfolio bracket? No, it's still out there to be enjoyed. That's part of why it's here. And how blessed it is to have a roof over your physicality during thunderstorms or snow or whatever it may be. So I'm not asking you walk away and forfeit any of that. I would say enjoy it more than ever. But let's also honor it's there to be enjoyed, not to attempt to create this big ego of capitalization to make it something about yourself. That's the quickest way to push away your manifest levels. It's the quickest way to get back into pain is bad, comfort is good. The point of life is to be undisturbed from the man-made comfort zones. Comfort zones are great until they start to become so uncomfortable. Because remember, you're constantly evolving. You're constantly expanding. You're going beyond all the chomp would carry water and pain is bad, comfort is good, the point is life is being disturbed, kind of really confining comfort zones. And we would just take a breath and just become comfortable right here, right now, in the relevance of now, because now is the only thing you really have. You don't have a minute from now. You don't have a millisecond from now. The past, literally, not in theory, but very factually, doesn't exist. Right. And when it comes to attachments, what I heard you saying, the, the plant kingdom, the oceanic realms, like they're always, uh, universe is always growing. And if we're sitting here wanting things to be the same, which, you know, I've been there, you know, done that. And I've even heard that, uh, some studies that by the time you're 35 years old, 95% of your thoughts and behaviors are the same as the day before. Exactly. Whereas there's this opportunity if we can look at life as, as the possibility to feel free, you know, within us, to feel uh, open to, to new experiences, to things that we used to perceive as bad and just keep moving forward and growing the whole experience is that much more joyful and fluid and constantly becoming because as we go there you know let's enjoy all the gifts that come with having a body on a planet number one Because living in martyrdom, sacrifice, well, that doesn't really serve anyone. That's just going into an old way, an old paradigm of self-sacrifice. Like, I can enjoy this, but I can't enjoy that. And honor and honor, well, let's really enjoy what you enjoy. 
and non-judged, it goes back to a terminology of, you know, if you want a brownie, it's in your highest and best good, quite literally, to have the brownie, eat it, smell it, taste it, enjoy it, and then be done with it. That's a lot more beneficial than constantly fighting these cravings from your body sometimes that wants the wants it for an aphrodisiac effect to open up and activate the pleasure center of the brain. Other times, it's to lighten up with. It's not so much what you're putting into it as much as you're allowing yourself to open up to it. And that's where your body, quite literally, is going to be able to take it in, process it, smile at you, and pass it through with doing no harm. Now, if we sit here, and we struggle with the brownie. Okay, there's sugar, there's chocolate, there's carbohydrates, it's flour, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, now I want you to feel this in your whole body. I want you to feel for a moment how tight, how constricted, how confined. And now your body's having to work about 10 times as hard, at least, to process it through. And chances are your body's going to store it because it's getting all these mixed messages. So your body being the innocent party here just doesn't really know what to do with itself because it's becoming so filtered, so conflicted. And so we go back to eat it, drink it, be enjoy it. Uh, somewhat like the Buddha, eat, drink, and be enlightened, which means we're expressing, we're exploring, we're lightening up, brightening up. Now, I wouldn't say have that brownie for every meal. I mean, there because in this where it comes a little bit colorful, right? Could you? Yes. Why would you when there's so many different elementals, attributes, exploratoriness of whether it be Greek food, Chinese food, American food, Canadian food, South American food? You know, it's really no end. And it's all about, in this vein, it's more about diversification not confinement and limitation. Because before long, we had a brownie every, every single day and it became our main diet plan. Yeah, the body would get used to it, it'd build a tolerance, it would take what was necessary, pass through the rest. But chances are, it's going to create a buildup from overload of so many attributes that it starts to work because it just doesn't know what to do with it. That's why there's brownies and ice cream. That's why there's salads. That's why there's beef, there's chicken, there's turkey, there's uh, salmon, on and on and on. It's all, in this vein, it's total diversity. And then you go to different culture, colors, creeds, different countries. Yeah, they have different diversifications. But they also, their bodies know that they're so much more accessible, which is part of this whole planet bringing all culture, colors, and creeds together to celebrate the differences, not so much put up walls because others are different. When you were sharing, it made me think about how attachments really make us feel a lot of emotions that, like you were mentioning, around food, you know, we might be feel guilty, we might feel anxious, regretful, or if it's attachments around an animal, 
blaming ourselves for not doing something or doing something? And how do those emotions impact the body? What happens is it starts to be stored. It starts to create sluggishness. Because what happens is the emotions that are based in judgment become now internalized. Like, so now all the arrows are flying towards you of what you did, what you wouldn't, you, what you didn't do, what you should have done, what you ought to do. And now all this pressure comes in. And, you know, this goes into your veins and venules becoming constricted, your arteries, your aortas, the right and left ventricles and atriums of the heart. The brain starts to technically squeeze because now, and this goes for the pancreas, uh, gallbladder, liver, every other organ in the body, intestines as well, and the kidneys, where it starts to really now, all the arrows are pointing at you, become, the body starts to go into fight and fight mode, which fight and fight is, you know, um, either fight or run. Well, it goes into those states that makes the body more and more constrictive, less flexible, less fluid, even where the fascia eventually becomes like semen. It gets slower, slower, sluggish. It goes into like a sand sub a substance, and then it becomes like semen. Because now you're only operating from the solar plexus down in fight and flight mode to where, yeah, now you're asking to, by default, trip, break a bone, pull a muscle, um, bang into walls, bang your head into walls and all this because your clarity and fluidity, openness, including your breathing is constricted to where you're no longer breathing in particles of light. You're more so hyperventilating and your body doing only getting enough oxygenation to be able to survive, definitely not live in your sight becomes so tunnel vision that now it's all about survival rather than exploration. Fantastic, William. Thank you. Thank you for all this clarity on attachment. And it gives us all the opportunity to look at how, what we're attached to and who we would be if whatever this attachment is wasn't a part of our life. Exactly. Uh -huh. And what else is possible beyond feeling attachment and all the emotions that aren't complementary in any way to us or our bodies? Uh, beyond attachment, there's experiences within that are much more vibrant. Exactly. It's so much more all around you. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how you live. There's so much more 24-7 accessible for you. Now, we just take a breath right into the relevance of now, which is really the reality and the truth. It's the only place you are. It's the only place that your body really is. All the rest is in the head. Thank you, William. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on the relevance of now. Please subscribe if you love this information. More to come shortly. Take care. Namaste. Namaste. And have a blast. <laughs>